life. A podcast of the cinema. Who 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 does this podcast? Uh, we do. I am Alonzo Duraldi. I'm film critic for thefilmverdict.com. You are yeah. Dave White, also a film critic. I'm the film critic of the atmosphere. I'm an ambient film critic. Sure. I'm the Aphex twin of film critics. <laughs> you pop out from behind parked I, cars and I review I show movies. up when you, yeah, I pop out from behind things and I go, spaghetti. I'm the least, I'm, I'm where you least expect me. That's right. Which, which is. Namely here. Currently in print. <laughs> <laughs> no one expects me there. No. <laughs> you are the co-host of this podcast we've yes. been doing for well nigh upon 12. close to 13 Going years. Going on. Going on 13 years. Yeah. Uh, you know what I forgot to say when we talked about Oppenheimer? It just popped into my head. What did you forget I don't know to why say? it just popped into my head, but it just popped into my head. One of the beautiful things about the film Oppenheimer mm-hmm. is the extensive, the gorgeous, the numerous, beautiful mid-century men's neckties well, I mean, you kind of have to. Like, every... But here's... Okay, now here's where we deviate from what the reality probably was. Mm. The neckties in this movie are each one of them, every single one, like a a, a little chef's kiss. Coming this fall, Dave oh. White's coffee table book of the neckwear of Oppenheimer. But you know, right? These cats were all science dudes. They were not out lovingly curating beautiful <laughs> neckties for themselves. No. But Their wives were going to iMagnon. If that, like, you know these guys were just like, I'll take five black neckties. True, yeah. I mean, they all, all worshipped... very small width. <laughs> they all worshipped Einstein, who famously wore the same thing every day. Yeah, so like, uh, this, I mean, the costume department... They they had a, a beautiful experience mm. uh, on this film, and I had a beautiful experience looking at all of those neckties. It is un in it is in not un it is unfrequent. It is currently infrequent for me to need to wear a necktie for really anything ever. Yes, I think the next time I will need to do this is in October, probably for the the, the wedding of our nephew. Yes. But oh, I was I was I was very very just felt so nice looking at all of them, and then each one I would I would look at I would think that guy, <laughs> that real life person did not have that taste, <laughs> did not have that level of taste. I mean, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about which scientist of the Manhattan Project was With also the snappy dresser, snappy dresser, <laughs> like. Everybody had good ties. Well, uh, what I've been enjoying is that the longer that Oppenheimer is out, the more people quietly come to me and are like, I didn't like it either. Oh, fine. <laughs> Y'all can all have your little club mm, yes. somewhere over there. Mm. Don't nobody bring me no bad news No, about no, it. no. How's, how's about that? Uh, are you excited for tonight's dinner of scrounging through the refrigerator for what's about to go bad. Uh, I did not know that was what was no, on, the, that's what's on the menu. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Exciting. Well, you know, I did a lot of cooking this weekend. You did? And it was for guests to come over before the hurricane. I mean, not on the day of the hurricane. No, but no. 
prior day, to the day before the hurricane. It, we're we're alive, by the way. We're okay. Yes, everything's fine. Uh, our park, the park, <laughs> the parking area under our apartment building was flooded, like deeper and more uh, uh, more area covered than I've ever seen. Yeah. Before, I don't know if anyone tried to get in and out of the parking area, but they were not going to be able to do it. Anyway, it's all cleared up. Yes. They came, the, the maintenance guy came and he fixed the pump and it all went out. The but pump did its sump. Saturday night, I did a lot of cooking. Well, Saturday day, I did a lot of cooking for friends. And there's not a lot of leftovers. No. But there are a lot of leftover greens. So, it's omelet night. Okay. But the first thing that's happening in that omelet is the cooking down of many greens, which will then be enveloped in a beautiful, what will certainly be an entirely green omelet by the time it is served to you. And when you eat it, not only will you say that it is delicious (laughs) and beautiful, but you will say thank you. Uh Uh-huh. We'll, we'll see. I've how, already told you what you're going to do. <laughs> we'll see how your your powers of prediction play out. No, I've already told you what your role in this is. Uh-huh. That's learn the lines. <laughs> Be off book by the time it gets to the plate, to the paper plate you that think, I'm serving it on. You think you're a That's medium. That's the other thing. <laughs> Starting now until well after you come home from the Venice Film Festival, which, by the way, is a week from today when you leave. Yeah. Uh no dishes. <laughs> I bought compostable paper plates. I bought compostable paper bowls. I bought compostable utensils. Yes. So we're not employing any uh, uh, plastiques in this nope. situation. Nope. And we have a, we finally have a compost bin from the city of West Hollywood, even though I, we still haven't yeah. gotten our bucket. So you just... I don't want to wash a dish all week. Fine. I washed... I washed dishes... From a dinner party of seven people. Mm. I'm done. I'm done. I'm on summer hours now. I helped. We are closed. (laughs) We are closed until after Labor Day. This podcast is not closed. No, no. no. Until after Labor Day. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to crank out a couple a day until you go to Venice. Mm -hmm. Because we've been, there have been been some lapses in August. And the, uh, uh. But now we got a week to uh, deliver enough content that no one will notice you're gone while you're gone. I doubt they would anyway, but okay. gone for eight days. And I've already decided that while you're gone, I'm going to make a tomato tart. <laughs> Great. For me, me, and me. <laughs> be eating it every day. <laughs> As long as it fits in your carb window, fine. It fits in my carb window. I got a car. I have a well. It's a it's a budget, really. It's not a window. Okay. I've got a carbohydrate budget for this hip replacement surgery weight loss plan dictated to me by my orthopedic surgeon. It's a very stringent, very strict, very sparing mm. carbohydrate budget, but this will fit into it. Um. No one needs to know about all of that. We talk enough about it on linoleum knife and fork. <laughs> but speaking of linoleum knife and fork. Yes, do a little ad for the Patreon, please. Well, 
Yes, but yeah. also, aren't we going to be making that show and other Patreon shows available mm. to the general public yeah, while yeah, yeah. I'm at Venice? While Alonzo's gone, all that stuff is coming to you uh, free. It's the uh, the end of summer Super Splash. Spectacular. Sure. It will be spectacular, but it's called the Super Splash. Sure. And uh, why, why, why is it called the Super Splash? There is no reason why it is called the Super Splash. It's the end of the summer. That's why. And it's free. It'll feel like being dunked, having your head held underwater in a nice, cool pool. So, yes, if you were a Patreon subscriber, you would get these shows on the regular that we'll be putting out on the main Depending feed over the next week. Depending on what week. level you're at. I mean, some right. of y'all are Patreon people, but you're going to get the shows that you don't subscribe This is to. also true. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, patreon.com slash linoleum knife, yeah. where we offer uh, linoleum knife presents more linoleum knife shows where we'll spend a half an hour or so just talking about one movie. Uh, LKTV, a podcast of the television. Yeah. Linoleum Knife and Fork, a food podcast hosted by two film critics. Yes. Uh, Linoleum Nights, uh, where we just talk about whatever, whatever we feel like. Whatever we it. feel like talking about. Uh, plus club meetings and other cool things. So This Saturday night, <laughs> the club meeting, <laughs> we will uh, finish our summer series. Yes. Where At we drive done a drive-in, a drive-in series all summer long. We... Uh, was June, July, and August. Just three, you know. And everybody voted on them. We didn't even pick them. Everybody voted. We, we picked the We shortlist. picked the candidates, but yeah. everyone voted on the candidates. And they saved the worst for last. And they by, did. By worst, I think they meant the best. And I know that having seen this film about three times, because I can't stop looking at it, I may have only seen the Mystery Science Theater version. No, you've seen the, the full length with me. Okay. You were right here with me when we watched it for the first time. Oof. We're going to watch the McDonald's <clears throat> McDonald's restaurant. <laughs> it is a restaurant. <laughs> McDonald's restaurant. Sponsored. Feature film of 1987. Mac and Me. Yes. This is about a young boy. And his E.T.-like alien friend. And their love of extreme danger and... French fries. McDonald's food items. Yes. It is... I, if you've never seen it, you kind of have to see it to you, believe it. You kind of do. And if you've only seen the MST uh, version, you haven't seen the entire thing because... Yeah, they tend uh, to trim they things tend to, to... They tend to edit... Uh, their films for cutting for room for time. Um, mind you, the club meeting is not always that ridiculous. No, no, no. Sometimes we do good movies. Yes, and quite a bit. Yes, frankly. we're very <laughs> we're very classy. <laughs> we're also so, not above doing. We've done at least two of the airport films, <laughs> right? So you know, you don't know what you're gonna get. Patreon.com slash linoleum. That's right. All right. We have a million movies to talk about. Okay. We're not going to get to all of them this episode, but we're going to crank out another episode before you leave. Yes. And until uh, that moment happens when we uh, you know, get everything all caught up, we need to go, go, go. Fast, fast, fast. Fine. I need to stop talking so slowly. <laughs> That'll be the day. That's not going to happen.
All right. I have no order of show for this. I just have a list of all the titles. Okay. They're not even in like alphabetical order. They just as I thought them what? up. What? A movie podcast that isn't in alphabetical order? Sometimes you I, anarchist. Sometimes I do that. Really? Sometimes. Sometimes oh. I hand them Sometimes we discuss the films in alphabetical order. No one notices. Oh, I hadn't. I wish you'd never told me. It's <laughs> kind of like how when we watch something on TV, the volume has to be at an even number. I, don't get me started with that. It, I don't know must. what that's about. I, I need what I need. God. <laughs> Sometimes I put it on an odd number just to see if you notice, and you don't always. Oh, no, no, no. I do. I'm just testing myself to see if I can take it. <laughs> don't, don't get that wrong in your head. Okay. I'm just trying sometimes to be like, you know what? You don't need <laughs> to have it on an even number. You don't need this. Okay. You really don't need it. Yeah. But if and I got the control, it's going on an even number. <laughs> I will look for your cold sweats in future. Right? Uh, you, when I have yeah, it on 23. Understand that when you put it on like 25 or 27 or 23, I'm... White knuckling it. I'm, I am. Th- I'm be like we watched the new Peanut special mm-hmm. yesterday, the one all about Marcy. Yeah. And there's a part where Marcy's like, someone needs to show him that he's doing it the wrong way right now. <laughs> That's yeah. I could feel you feeling seen. Well, I did. All right. What if we just start with the Meg Two? Uh, sure. Uh, actually, it's just Meg 2 colon The Trench. What? No. Yes. No. Yes. Is the, there's not a the? It's Meg I 2. I swear it is the Meg I, 2. Go to IMDb. Tell me if I'm wrong. Well, I'm fixing to do that right now because I think this is incorrect. I don't think so. The first one was The Meg. Yeah. But this one is Meg 2 colon The Trench. Oh, you're right. They didn't have the... They didn't want the in the title twice. Apparently. I guess. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Meg 2, The Trench. It's the sequel to The Meg. Yes. It's directed by Ben Wheatley, who initially made his name uh, as sort of like the guy who was going to rearrange indie horror. Yeah. And then he just decided he liked to work at jobs. And... (laughs) And now he's here working at a job yes. with Meg to the Trench, which yes. is uh, bad, but also fun bad for me, like a like a cool kind of dumb Chinese monster movie. Because uh, it is basically it's a Chinese. It's, it's a, basically a Chinese production film. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. You know, I did have fun in the second hour. But boy, they make you wait for it. And right. I, like <laughs> my recollection is that the first Meg sprinkled a little something to kind of like keep things going in the first hour before it really went to town. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I maybe time and distance <laughs> have made me too kind. But man, the first hour of this movie does a thing that I hate, which is like. Let's give you a bunch of generic supporting characters yeah. who have very little personality. And okay, remember in remember that terrible Poseidon remake with uh, Richard Dreyfus and Fergie <laughs> and Fergie? Yes, yeah. where where like you couldn't wait for <laughs> <laughs> that was then. Yes, sure. that was then. <laughs> um, 
remember how there were like three female leads and they were all brunettes and then they're immediately all wet and you spend the rest of the movie trying to like distinguish which one of them is Songcatcher and which one of them is... Yeah, one of them was Emmy Rossum yes. who was in the film Songcatcher. Which, by the way, is a joke that only you and I get because nobody saw the film <laughs> Songcatcher yes, okay. twenty plus years ago. All right, fine. I suppose right. she's famous for whatever that Showtime show. She was like never twelve when that movie <laughs> was made. She was like a child opera prodigy at the time. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's how she's stuck in my memory. Yeah. yeah. And okay. you want me to bring up Phantom of the Opera? No, thank you. All right. Anyway. It's a similar thing here. You have this this crew of like apart apart from the main speaking roles where it's like you know obviously of course Jason Statham and Jing Wu who's a big star in China mm-hmm. and Shuya Sophia Kai who plays the niece of Jing Wu and the daughter of the dead girlfriend of Jason Statham who he hooks up with or doesn't actually pointedly doesn't hook up with at the end of the first movie. They don't even kiss. Right. And now she's gone, but the daughter's there and he's sort of raising her. The re- the four or five other crew members are like, I don't know who they are. <laughs> I don't know. They they all have like kind of short brown hair and yeah. then like they get picked off one by one and I just didn't know who was getting killed or why or well why I should care. I mean, Sure. <laughs> Then, finally, once you get past that part, there's sharks are eating people, and that's what right. we came to see. That is. Uh, but then there's just, like, the giant octopus, and and people get grabbed by it, and that's fun. Yeah. Um, the, the walking across the ocean floor part made me appreciate how fun <laughs> underwater with Kristen Stewart was. Yes. Yes. The, there are some things that happen in this movie that... They're daring you, really, to say, hey, that can't happen. <laughs> oh, right. Because, because the, <laughs> thing about, the thing about that can't happen is that none of this can happen. No. And so if you are the person in the audience going, well, I'm smarter than this movie, <laughs> guess what? Everyone is. And, and so that's you got to set that aside. No. Am I complaining about the, the fact that we're supposed to believe that, that Jason Shawhan doesn't explode? Jason Shawhan, our friend? Sorry. Or Jason, Jason Statham, Statham sorry. the star of the film. Jason Statham. Shout out to you, Jason yes. Shawhan. Hi, Jason Shawhan. <laughs> this movie would have been more fun with you in it. We're supposed to believe that Jason Statham doesn't explode at the bottom of the ocean without a pressure suit on right. because he's breathed water into All his you nose. Do is inhale some <laughs> little, little water. Just little sips. <laughs> In the nose. <laughs> that I, I, I that even, is amusing. That I is did, fun. I, didn't I enjoyed even, it. I, yeah, I'm just saying that wasn't. I wasn't sitting there writing that down and going, "Hmm." Like, I, fine. Yes, obviously, science has left the building, but it's just so boring for the first hour. I was not bored. I was. I was not super bored. bored. No. Um, and then the eating starts. My only dis. My only moment of of of. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? We're sitting at the press screening, and I said this. We talked about this when we were on KCRW a few, couple weeks ago, a few mm. weeks ago, whenever it was. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, it's two days before we're on the show. Press play with Madeline Brandt. Yes. I said, oh, no, I'm not just watching this. I have to go be a film critic about it. On KCRW. 
And this is a film that is not, it is actively working against the film critic doing their job. Yeah, the movie can barely form complete sentences, so yeah. it's hard to do that about the movie. It, as I said before about the, the, I'm smarter than this, you know, it doesn't care what you think. It doesn't care what anyone thinks about it. It's here to be stupid. Yeah. And it's here to make a pile of money. In fact, um, as far back as the release of the first one, mm-hmm. someone asked Jason Statham about a sequel. And he said, yeah, maybe if it makes a lot of money. I mean, because that's what happens. You know, it makes a lot of money. People want to make more money. <laughs> I mean, that's how sequels work. Yes. Not, not once did Jason Statham, Jason Statham say, you know, we're really excited about, about <laughs> I really have a lot in this character that, that I want to explore. That, yeah. And so But here's the thing, you he can be the score. You can yeah. be stupid and entertaining, and you can also yeah. be stupid and not entertaining. And for half of this movie, it's just stupid and I was not entertained. I feel like it is thoroughly stupid from start to finish. Agreed. And and that stupidity is is both uh thorough and uh agreeable. And so nothing nothing matters. Also, there's a little dog in the movie. From the first movie. That you keep thinking might get eaten. Yes. Just like in the first movie. It's a callback. Its name is? Is it Peppy or Pepper or something? Come on. I don't remember. Oh, my God. Pippin. Pippin. Thank why, you. Why is it named Pippin? For Scotty Pippin? I don't know. The Broadway show? Scotty, Scotty Pippin. <laughs> The basketball star that you, whose career you follow and love so much. <laughs> well, you're asking me. I don't know why the it's the Broadway show Pippin. Why is it named Pippin, Dave? Alonzo Duralde. Jaws. The dog that the guy throws the stick into the oh. water for, and the dog doesn't come back. Remember? Okay. The guy's like Pippin, Pippin, Pippin. He's trying. He's calling out for the dog, and the dog got. See, the idea Jaws. that the Meg movies even try to pretend they exist it's in the same little, universe as Jaws little thing. is like, it's, it's just a, a little thing. It's a little thing to make you happy. And like they, they, it's they, like a little sip of grape soda. These are Sharknado-level movies. They and are. So to even, to even reference Jaws indirectly is unearned. Give me the... We, I call that... Me, and insouciance. Give, give, give me the. Is that how I pronounce that word? I don't know. Is, I think it's. How you I think it's it, insouciance. Right? Give, 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 give me the Kittner boy reference in Bad Santa any day over that one. All right. Fine. Okay. Fine. 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 Now, uh, we also saw. Scrolling down in my notes. Mm-hmm. We saw the beasts. Yeah. Now this is a uh, limited release. Yes. In theaters. And why don't you explain what it is? So this is a Spanish movie, but it is, um, much of it is in French and much of it is in Galician. Yes, I know. So uh, I was as reliant upon the subtitles as anybody. Uh, It is, uh, it's a film from a a filmmaker named uh, Rodrigo Sorogoyen. And it's about a French couple who have moved to uh, Galicia in the north of Spain uh, to start, you know, their, their, their daughter has grown up and so they've kind of retired there and they want to start this farm where they're going to use sort of progressive techniques. And so the locals are already suspicious because they are, you know, you ain't from here and you're, you know, kind of messing with the traditions of how we do things around here. 
Uh, and then add to that, apparently, at some point, there was a sort of local referendum about selling the land to the windmill people. And uh, the French couple was among the, were among the few people who voted against it. So the, the windmills didn't happen, which would have brought a lot of money to the impoverished locals. So from the get-go, there's a lot of tension in this town. <laughs> you can just tell. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Every, every time they walk into the bar, there's just like this unspoken level of going on and it just escalates from there yeah. uh, i don't i don't want to get too deep into what happens because i think that part no, of the you don't want to know yeah i mean you do want to know because you want to see it because yeah. it's it's pretty dang great yeah uh, but but, but uh, it's a film that let it reveal itself to you as it goes <laughs> along because i walked in knowing nothing and i'm glad i did it is actually based on a a thing that really happened yeah a Dutch, I think they were Dutch couple. In moved. Scandinavia? I don't know where they moved to, but they moved somewhere and they started a little farm and everyone hated them and then mm. really bad things happened. I, I yeah, I thought I'd I thought I'd heard that it was this took place in Norway, or maybe I'm thinking it's the Norwegian company with the windmills. I don't know. Anyway. Uh yes, it is based on a true thing, but it's also very reminiscent of Jean de Florette. Mm-hmm. Uh, the novel, and which was then you know, turned into the movie in the '80s with uh, Yves Montand and Gerard Depardieu, um, in that it's you know you have the locals who sort of fear and distrust this new guy coming in with his new methods and do what they can to sort of drive him out. Um, but yeah, this is a movie about. I'm just going to say it's about cold vengeance. <laughs> Uh, that's accurate. It stars uh, Denis Menochet, and if you don't know who he is, he's a French actor, and he has been in everything. And you would, if you don't, he's in the opening sequence of *Inglorious Bastards*. If you don't hit the art house all that often, you will remember him most as the farmer uh, at the beginning of *Inglorious Bastards*. Yeah. He pops up in *Bo is Afraid*. He's in *Ozone's in the House*. Um, He's uh, Peter von Kant in in the Ozone remake of yes. The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. Uh, it also co-stars Marina Foy, a French actress, uh, and they are the couple. So, all right. I think it's Foyce, actually, because of the, Is it um, Foyce? the, the umlaut. Well, I, I don't know how things are said in French, <laughs> so very sorry about that. No worries. Uh, this film fits the model of a Western yeah. with... An inevitable showdown, and then that showdown arrives, and then there's like another 40 minutes left in the movie. Yes. And it is no less tense. After the showdown than it was before. After the showdown than it was before. Earlier this year, you may recall, we reviewed a film, another French film, a thriller uh, called The Man in the Basement. Mm, Right. About a guy who moves into a rented storage space in a French family's apartment. And then they discover that that guy is a neo-Nazi. Yeah. Um, and they didn't think he was going to move in. Yeah, they just were <laughs> running in the storage space. They were space. just running in the storage space, and he decides to you know, make it his little apartment. <laughs> um, and it is a really, really effective, tense, unnerving thriller that is about a lot of stuff, yeah. not just the action on screen. Same goes for this. This is about more than just, what are these people going to do to each other? Right. Um, 
it becomes, without giving too much away, it becomes a story of, you know, a spouse with their own particular needs and desires in yes. life. Uh, I'm being really, really uh, vague about the, the plot here for you. Uh, this now, movie won all of the Goyas. It won all <laughs> the Goyas last year. That's the, the, the Spanish Oscars. Yeah. And and I'm, we're saying this because it obviously it's a subtitled film and it's in local art houses. If it's if you have an art house where you live, uh, it is not a narratively demanding or difficult to understand film, which is I think what people often associate the art house with. Right. This is. Uh, Straight up a thriller. Yeah. And it's smart and it's powerful and it's a, a a kick in the gut about, you know, resentment and malevolent people that you don't understand and patience. Yeah. <laughs> and the movie so, sort of unfolds itself, not slowly, but definitely, I would say, methodically, methodically and deliberately. <laughs> yeah. And we watched it uh, on a screening link. We did not get yeah. to see this projected, which I'm sure if you do get to see it projected, if you get to see it on a big screen, you'll stunning. understand how stunningly like gorgeous the countryside yeah. cinematography is. But here. even if it if it doesn't come near you, or it already came and went near you, and you wind up streaming it, it absolutely works at home as well, as long as you're willing to you know give it the attention it deserves, and it does deserve it. Yeah. So we saw a documentary called Kokomo City mm -hmm. uh, from uh, first-time uh, director D. Smith. Yes. Now, you may remember D. Smith if you have ever watched Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. They had a very a brief sort of tenure on that reality show. She took that job. Uh, she was a music producer. Uh, and was working, you know, uh, in the in the music industry, and making making records for big name people, and then she began to transition, and the phone stopped ringing. Yeah. So she took a job on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, and she thought, okay, this is going to be good for me, and and realized that they wanted her to just be like the villain that throws a drink in your face no. and start, starts problems. And so she was like, you know what? I don't want to be on this show. <laughs> um, Did they so, not tell you that in advance on I a reality? I, would like, I don't I would know sometimes would... how it works. I really don't know how it works. I would I, think you'd get a character breakdown at some point before shooting started. I, I, I think maybe they, 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 they do their best to maybe keep you off, off your feet mm. so that you just do what they want you to do. Sure. Um, that's how, that's how it feels like to me. Yeah. No, like on uh, Unreal. <laughs> like on the show Unreal, yeah. Uh, anyway, so she has made a film, a documentary, about black trans women who are sex workers. Yes. Now, earlier this year, there was a different documentary about uh, transgender sex workers, and it was called The Stroll. Yeah. I think they both premiered at Sundance. They both year. were at Sundance. And... Uh, what the stroll does it goes into sort of like the larger history of queer sex work in New York City. Yeah, a specific um, area. This one uh, focuses on a, a couple different locations, but I think primarily Atlanta. Um, and it strictly focuses on the lives of the women in the film. It gives all of them the opportunity to simply talk yeah. and tell their stories 
and show you their daily lives and show you who uh, who they who they know who their friends are uh, sometimes the relationships in their lives they're very uh, uh, very tender uh, depictions of you know intimate relationships with some with men cisgender men some of them boyfriends some of them clients and the film sort of weaves those guys into the bigger picture as well sometimes just talking to them individually yeah um so like i said it's her first feature and it encompasses you know every facet of uh the daily experience of 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 the women money survival rejection by families uh the presence, the threat of violence, but also there's this really wonderful, deep understanding of just the joy of life and and very specifically black cultural perspective perceptions about femininity, masculinity, and everything that that encompasses. Yeah, I could listen to these women talk for hours. They were all just fascinating and really insightful about what their lives are like, you know, where they came from, what they what they hope to eventually wind up doing with themselves, um, and it, and it is this sense of I think I mentioned this when we were on KCRW. Uh, you get the impression that that people in the sex industry whose clients are men are stuck doing a lot of listening. Yeah, and so to have the opportunity of like, no, 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 you talk. Now it's <laughs> oh, someone wants to listen to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all documentaries that are very specific about very specific aspects of real queer lives, uh, you know, those kinds of films, they go back all the way to the 70s to films like Word is Out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and on the subject of, of trans women, you know, back to Paris is Burning. Uh, well, I mean, even uh, the Queen uh, back the, the, before the, that, the Queen and, and Queens at Heart, which yep. we just saw a, a clip yep. from in another documentary, uh, which is out a short that's out there. The everyday, <laughs> the ordinary is the subject. Yeah, and and because sex work is an everyday, ordinary job, uh, I think films like this really do a lot of good in the world. Yeah, they they demystify the notion that it's this. Something that isn't work, which it is. Anyway, it is also currently in art house uh, uh, theaters. I don't know if it's yet streaming. I don't think did so. It, but did it, it go straight to streaming and theaters at the same time? Uh, not that I know of, but uh, it, 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 it began its theatrical run, you know, at least in a few markets in late July. So it may still be making its way around. But in any event, it oh, is. Nope. You can watch it now on, oh. on at home. Okay. You can stream it, rent it in a variety of places. Oh, great. For $6.99. Then you should. <laughs> so, um, now, let's talk about the stuff that I have no intention of seeing. <laughs> so we're going to call this segment of the show, Alonzo Did It and I Ain't. Okay. I just made up that. That really that rolls off really the tongue. Really rolls off the tongue. You you saw three movies that I'm just not going to bother with, and here they are. You're welcome. Dracula Boat. 
Okay. The turtles mm -hmm. and the car. The video game Carboy. Oh, right. Yes. What okay. are these movies called? <clears throat> All right. Teenage Mutant, Ninja Turtles, Gold. something. Mutant Mayhem. Mutant Mayhem. <clears throat> Talk about that one. Okay. So this is the, <laughs> I thought it was like the third reboot, but I was corrected. It's something like the fourth, maybe, or fifth. Who knows? We're doing this again, y'all. Um, and uh, this time it is an animated feature with the kind of animation that clearly exists in a post Spider-Verse space, I guess. Yeah. In the way that that movie mixes up a lot of different styles and doesn't hew to a sort of traditionally quote unquote cartoony aesthetic. Um, you, you have that going on here as well. It is once again, an origin story for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I won't go into because you probably know by now. But what's interesting here is it's the first time in one of these movies that they are all voiced by actual teenagers. And I think that really helps. Like it's 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 a it's the script is quite funny for starters, which uh -huh. is the best thing about it. Are you saying I need to watch it? I, you can watch it at home. No rush. Would I? Will I think it's worth my time? Because I've never. I'm sorry to interrupt here. I've never given one heck about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, not ever in my entire we, life. You, we're way and too. And I have been around. I. I remember back in the 80s, the late 80s, when this all yeah. got rolling, the TV and I was like, well, I still don't care. The, I Look, I remember in the mid-80s when the actual comic book came out yep, uh, and spawned a million yep. terrible imitators. And then I remember right after college, for the first time, seeing the animated cartoon, the TV cartoon. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's never been an important franchise for me either. This one, I will say, it, it is fun. I don't love it as much as a lot of people I know who just thought it was great. Because for me, it was one of those movies where you hit the point where, like, a thing happens. You're like, oh, good, it's done. And then it's like, oh, no, no, that was just the kickoff of Act 3. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're not done. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's entertaining. The The teen actors doing the voices are really good and I think give the characters a sense of like rambunctious teenness that you don't get from adults being all like, cowabunga, dude, you know. Right. Um, the April O'Neil character is still a journalist, but she is a high school student. Okay. Voiced by Iowa Devery. Oh, I like uh, her. And that's fun. She's on the bear. Uh, she is. And, and in Bottoms, which we'll talk about next gonna time. going to be in Bottoms, y'all. Uh, we okay. <laughs> Another interruption. We love Bottoms. No pun intended. <laughs> the movie. We love the movie called Bottoms. <laughs> um, that's all I'm going to say. Keep keep talking More on about that later. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Anyway, so it's it, it's fun. You know, I, I think as it, it's a lot more fun than the. Uh, it, I you know I forgot that we went to see this, and I was reminded recently by our friend David Zeev. We went to the drive-in and saw yeah, something. Uh, and then the second feature was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with like Will Arnett and uh, I, Megan Fox. I was there. I had completely forgotten that well, happened. Well, you know, I, I ate a lot of nachos and ignored the movie mostly. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Talked, I talked amongst them. our friends. Okay. We were all sitting out on our lawn chairs at the back of Gary Cotty's pickup truck. And that was that. When this winds up on Paramount Plus at the end of the year... Check it out. It's there's there are some good laughs. Like, you know, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, I think, like produced it. 
And yeah, no, I know they were involved. Yeah, yeah. you know, and Rogan is a voice, Rose Byrne is a voice. All you right. know, like cool people like that. Jackie Chan is is Master Shredder. You know, uh-huh. uh, it's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I I didn't fine fine to good. Fine to good. Fine yes. to good. I just. I, I, people that I know are so enthusiastic about it. That's the thing. But I'm even hearing, like, I'm hearing people that I know whose opinions I largely respect. Yeah. Even people our age who didn't grow up on this franchise. I'm very old. Yeah. Why should I care? Well, just because it's funny. It, it, it is All actually right. funny. Well, when it's streaming and yeah. maybe I'll lazily enjoy some of it. Who yes. Knows? Maybe, maybe you'll have a flu. And you'll just want to have something that you don't have to think about. Too if much. I have a flu, listen, you know what I watch when I have the flu. Gentlemen prefer blondes. There's, <laughs> there's a thing. And practical magic. And yeah. <laughs> I don't deviate from my okay, chicken maybe, soup for the soul. Maybe not for a flu then. But yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's, it's organizing the bookshelves. Uh, that's maybe something. I, I yeah. like I like that we are in this era now where mainstream big studio animated features are allowed to look a little funky. I do like that and I am grateful to the Spider Man uh, films. Yeah. For making that happen. Yeah. Um Next. Dracula Boat. Dracula Boat, which well, is actually did mm-hmm. you know this? I'm gonna tell you a thing. Uh-huh. In the United States, mm-hmm. this film is called the Last Voyage of the Demeter. Demeter. The Demeter. In some international markets, mm-hmm. the film is called Dracula. Dracula, Voyage of the Demeter. It should have been called Dracula, Voyage of the Demeter in this country so people would have known what even in the heck they were going to see. I think people knew and just didn't care. <laughs> I guess. The so, trailer didn't make it all that clear. Yeah. I, so basically... This is the kind of thing by where... By the way, Dracula Boat is a joke that was told to me by our friend Robbie, who needs to be uh, okay. acknowledged uh, as the originator I've seen some people in at least my life. I mean, maybe other people online are calling it I've that seen too. it that online as well. Okay. I also saw right. somebody online posted a picture of a, like, of a kid's sort of like, you know, three-masted plastic ship. Like a Lego or, or something a like plastic that. boat or It's whatever. a big plastic boat. Yeah. And then up in the crow's nest, they had put the count from Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> and just said, last voyage of the Demeter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- this is the kind of thing where this seems like it would be a, a short film somebody would make. It's this like four-page section of Dracula where a boat wrecks on the coast and they find the captain's log and they discover that they were coming from you know, Romania or Transylvania or whatever. Right. And they were these mysterious boxes. A bunch of them had seemed to have dirt in them. And one by one, the crew members are all disappearing and we don't know what's going on. And everybody's freaked out. And it's spoiler. It's Dracula. Okay. So this is basically like that, but a feature length film. And, you know, you can certainly make a great movie about an outcome that you already know. I always refer to, you know, the Apollo 13 syndrome or, you know, 1776. You know how it's going to end, but yeah. they can make it interesting and suspenseful along the way. Uh-huh. They can show you things about the steps that maybe you didn't know and, and figured out the things that had to be overcome to accomplish the thing. This movie, you're basically just waiting for everyone to drop dead and to be eaten by Dracula and for the ship to crash. And just in case you didn't know 
that this was a thing from Dracula. The movie starts with the finding of the shipwreck and then the reading of the captain's log. Oh. So the whole thing is a flashback. Oh. So what, 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 what? So even if you walk in not knowing that it's Dracula, you you are told very quickly in the movie, oh yeah, the, the ship wrecks and everyone dies. And so then it's just getting through those steps of how that happens. And it's never very interesting. That's cool. And it is... It's directed by the guy who made scary stories to tell in the dark, which I thought was okay. Okay. But like, it's this weird thing where they obviously weren't out on the open sea because that's a nightmare and expensive and all that stuff. But at the same time, they don't really play up the claustrophobia of being shipbound either. Right. So it's in this weird nebulous space of like, mm. it, it doesn't feel like it's trying to be constricted, but at the same time, they don't have the means for it to be, you know, off to the horizon. So it's just all kind of murky and dull. And, you know, the kid from, um, what was the, what was the Joaquin Phoenix movie? Um, the adorable one about the, the guy who's a photographer who's, who's interviewing the teenagers and his son. I am completely blank on what you're even talking. It's got a title like, Oh, okay. Or something like, (laughs) Oh, that one. The, oh, okay. Mike Mills directed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that called? <laughs> Completely blank. It's called Oh, okay. It might as well be. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, the kid. For, come on, come on. That. How am I supposed to remember that the movie is called Come On, Come On? God, I know you were all yelling it at your phone just now. That's ridiculous. Anyway, the kid from Come On, Come On is in it, and he's always good. Okay. And our friend, oh, okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. And our friend Tom worked on the visual effects, and there's some cool ones. There's some, you know, people catching fire when the sun hits them, and right. eyes going milky that are pretty groovy. All right. But yeah, overall, this was a, a, a this was even more boring than the first hour of Meg Two: The Trench. Way to go, our friend Tom. Yes. Hey, he got a trip to Malta out of it. Yeah. He got to go to the Popeye Village. Oh, that's fun. Yes. Yeah. If y'all don't know, Robert Altman shot Popeye <laughs> in Malta, and after they, they were done, he built a whole town. And then they just left it. Yeah, it's still there. It's like an amusement park. You can go and have birthday parties at the Popeye Village. Kids grow up loving that stuff in Malta. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's a point of local pride. Then I'm you sure. saw the video game driver. Oh, Gran, dri- Gran Turismo. Driver Boy. Movie. Yes. Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. I need some explanations. Okay. There's an actual game called Gran Turismo. There's a video game called Gran Turismo. Yes, but in the movie, they're like, please, don't call it a video game. It's a driving simulator. There's a driving video game (laughs) called Gran Turismo. Yes, and the whole point of the game is that they like went out of their way. I mean, do they, do you sit in a car in an arcade and, and play it, or do you sit on your couch and do it? You sit. Well, this is a. I, I don't well, know if there's an arcade a, version. It's, it's a video. You, you sit on your then. couch. Yeah. Anyway, I do. As I've said earlier in this podcast, I'm a very old person. Yes, I've never played or simulated the a Grand Turismo. Last Trismo video myself. game I ever played was Ms. Pac-Man. Yes, in 1982. At a tabletop in a Pizza Hut. Yes, and my, or before then, my dad brought home Pong in the, in the late 70s. My, my parents brought home the Magnavox Pong ripoff. We had the Pong 
and that is what we had. Yeah. And then at the at the at the at the at the Pizza Hut, there was the Ms. Pac-Man tabletop. Yes. And then I went to college and realized I needed my quarters <laughs> for laundry. laundry. <laughs> and that was the end of that for the rest of my life. I could have very easily become a video game addict, except for the fact that I was terrible at them. And so that prevented right. me from really going down that particular rabbit hole. So I don't know anything. Okay. People talk about the games, and I go, oh, what is that? They go, what do you mean, what is that? Right, well, I go, well, tell me what it is. Well, They're if, like, it's a game. I'm like, okay, well, just tell me that it's a game, if, if, and tell me how you what you do. If you will stop being Senor Budinsky, I will explain um, this okay. to you. Right. Because yeah. I have sat through this movie, which is a commercial for the game, so I now know so many things about cool. it. The whole point of Gran Turismo, and the reason why it's so popular, yes. is that apparently it is painstakingly accurate. Okay. So... Uh, players assemble their own cars and make choices about like what kind of torque and what kind of wheels and what kind of yada yada. Like Johnny Cash. Sure. He built it one piece at a time. Yes. It didn't cost him a dime. There you go. It, yes. Okay. Now you're talking about it. Anyway. Um, and you can race in all these different, yes. you know, tracks. You can do Formula One. You can do, you know, whatever all the different kinds of auto racing are. So, uh, Orlando Bloom in the movie plays this guy who works for Nissan. And he's talking about how, like, there's an entire generation of people who don't drive. Like, the kids today don't drive. They take lifts. They, you know, they don't. And, and if they do drive, they think of it as being something very utilitarian and not like, you know, in TV commercials where they're off, you know, in mountain paths. Right, right, right. So well, he's like. I mean, that's what driving is. It's, you got to go to the grocery store. Exactly. So there you go. So anyway, so his idea is let's sell cars to the millions of people around the world who play this video game. Okay. And who are excited about the prospect of cars and driving and yada, yada, And his idea is we will have a tournament to find the best Gran Turismo player. Okay. And then put that person on Team Nissan to actually race cars IRL. How do the IRL car racer drivers feel about this? Not happy. I didn't think they would. No, be. very no. resentful they of our hero. Spend a lot of time practicing in real cars. Exactly. Yeah. They, you know, who the heck is this? This you know, video game punk think he is? Right. So, um, you know, this one uh, British kid who actually lives in Wales. Um, named Jan, played by uh, Archie Medeque. You're not British if you live in Wales. Is that correct? Yeah, you, Someone help me with I, that. I, I, I always get, get this confused. confused. Anyway, I know if you say a British, I know if you say an Irish person is British, they will murder you. Right, and if you say a Scottish person <laughs> is English, they get very mad. <laughs> but like, what? How does it work in Wales? I don't know. Someone is listening in Wales, and I would like to know the please. Methanwy, uh, me, me tell us what we don't know. Correct, um, correct me, please. So anyway, so the, 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 this kid wins the contest and David Harbour plays this like ex Mach 1 uh, driver who's now like somebody's mechanic and he gets recruited to sort of teach this person how to do it for real. Right. And it's this whole thing of like, you know, translating the skills of the game into real life and then a terrible thing happens. It isn't the guy's fault, but it freaks him out anyway and powering through that, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a sports movie. It is a sports movie. Ultimately. With ginger spice. With ginger spice. <laughs> the first half of you the movie. You almost, when you came home and you said, 
you know Jerry Hallowell plays the mom in this movie? I was like, what? How come? Do I want to watch it now? I mean, maybe you do. <laughs> the, the parents are, are Jaiman Hansu and Jerry Hallowell Horner. Okay. And uh, I, she's in several scenes before Gary and I, friend of the neighbor Gary Cotty and I, turned to each other and went, is that, is that Ginger Spice? <laughs> <laughs> because she's just, she playing, looks, she's playing a mom. She's not wearing the Union Jack. She's not wearing the, the, no, shockingly. What's so how the, could I be expected yeah, to How are we supposed her? to know it's her? <laughs> um, and she's quite good in this. Like there's a, the, the scene where the accident happens. Yeah. Uh, and it's unclear, you know, if, if her kid is going to, you know, emerge from the wreckage. Yeah. Yeah. She lets out a blood-curdling, like, yawp of, of grief. That Are you like, saying it's like at the end of what to expect when you're expecting when Jennifer Lopez has that moment where you're like, why hasn't the entire film <laughs> been about this woman and her problems? Because we're getting a performance here right now at the end of this otherwise nothing movie. Uh, it, it is not, the rest of this is not a nothing movie, okay. but it All does right. stand out in that, oh my gosh, you can act, who right. knew? Well, you know, she got the part over other people, so that means she's probably uh, good at acting. Uh, you never know. <laughs> that's true. You do never know. Yeah. That's true. Um, but, it, now you, but now you do know. I do know. Yeah. She's good in this. Um, so in the same way you mentioned earlier that, you know, Ben Wheatley directed uh, yes. uh, Meg 2. Neil this is, Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp yeah. directed this. Yeah. And I have not loved his latest stuff. I There's not. He's not a, a director I, I follow um, or care much but about. But this is such a machine yeah. that he just has to sort of like keep the machine running okay. and he does right. like well, it hits the sports nice. movie moments that you wanted to hit. Yeah. I saw it in an IMAX house. So the vrooming of the cars, like I could feel it in the back of my neck. Did you want to have earplugs? I, I didn't, but I'm, I, my ears are not, uh, I would are, like to are, probably are, have are a lot more maybe. calloused than yours are. Okay. Yeah. Yours are delicate instruments. Yeah. Um, they're so, damaged instruments is what they well, are. Well, this is true. Yes. You yeah. broke them. Um, I was, I kind of shocked at how much I enjoyed myself. Oh, really? You yeah, did. I really okay. had. I mean, I've, I, right. again, I'm not like you, not a video game person. Well. And the idea of yet another movie this year that is basically about a brand, um, I was not looking forward to. I will say this: this isn't a movie about the making of the video game, so it's different from Tetris and you know, the uh, flame Black, and hot Black, and Blackberry. air and Blackberry yeah, and okay. all those other movies like right. that. But it is very much a commercial. I mean, it's right. such a commercial. Um, but yeah, it, it, if you just think of it as a corny sports movie with some really like electrifying racing sequences, so there might it come does a, the trick. There might come like a Saturday afternoon when I'm home. Yeah, soon, and I'll be looking at this and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back to back. Maybe I, you know. Here's the thing: I would say you could watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at home and it'd be fine. I think if there's like in the third week of the run. If there's a Tuesday matinee and you just want some air conditioning, and I might, then go see this in a theater and just and bring your earplugs, yeah, and just have the experience of no, it, okay? Because yeah. it's a bit, it's a movie that you want to see big. And I want to tell y'all, listening something that if you think that this is a bit we're doing right now, where I pretend not to know anything about what he uh, saw, you are wrong because we have. 
lots and lots and lots of conversations in this house, and only sometimes are they about film. Yeah. I came home and, and told so him about Ginger Spice, and that was really all he needed he to know. He walked in and said, Ginger Spice is in this movie, and I said, oh, okay, good night. <laughs> and um, I have not known a, a moment of, of this film's uh, value until now. All I've known is my own prejudice about... <laughs> The trailer and not wanting to go. Sure. Similarly with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And also Dracula Boat. Right. Okay. Now, thus thus concludes, what was this dumb section called? Thus concludes, Alonzo did it and I ain't. Okay. We'll come up with a better title for that. We both saw the new film from Iris Sachs. Yeah. It is called Passengers. Pat, not passengers. <laughs> passages. 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 Time passages. It stars the great German actor Franz Rogowski, who was in Great Freedom that we talked about last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Christian Petzold's Transit. He was in Christian Petzold's Undina that we've talked about before. It also stars Ben Wishaw. Yes. It also stars Adele Oxarkopoulos, mm-hmm. who you may remember from Blue is the Warmest Color. Yes. And you may not remember from the French weirdo comedy Mandibles, but if you <laughs> have never seen Mandibles, you will see Adele Oxarkopoulos being insane. <laughs> giving, an imp- giving a performance that you've never seen before or since in cinema. Dish, dish. I, I'm not going to ask. I'm not even going to ask. Uh, she was in the last uh, 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 of that guy's. She was in Smoking Causes Coughing. Too. She was also in Smoking Causes Coughing. Yeah. So anyway, from uh, Quentin Dupuy. Dupuy. All right. Franz Rogowski plays a filmmaker, and he is clearly an auteur. And he is an exacting one. Which and is a the, polite way of saying up his own butt. <laughs> the film begins, he is making a movie that is called Passages. Yes. And he is micromanaging an actor who is simply walking down a <laughs> flight of stairs. And that's the last you really know about his filmmaking his life. art. <laughs> about how his films are received in the world, other than it seems to be like he's a he's a respected filmmaker, like he's successful yeah. at what he does. And the reason you think that he's successful at what he does is because he's one of those guys who does any damn thing he wants any time of any day. Ben Wishaw plays his husband. Adele Arcopoulos plays a school teacher who happens to be at... The rap, the, party. the rap party for the film. Franz Rogowski says to Ben Wishaw, hey, dance with me. It's a party. It's the rap party. Ben Wishaw's like, I am exhausted and I just need to go home. Like, he's been through this before. Yeah, and he's got work in the morning. With, 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 with uh, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Director. Yeah. And he just wants to go home. So he has a thriving print business. Franz Rogowski says to Adele Exarchopoulos, Hey, babe, want to dance? And so they dance. And then they do it. The horizontal mambo. Yes. So, jeez. Oh, <laughs> you are never 
You are never. Just say that again. Well, I was playing off Could They Dance thing. Uh, it was relevant. I, I know why you did it. <laughs> I'm trying to save you from yourself. Okay, fine. And your, and your instincts. All right, so. <laughs> this night of sex becomes a relationship-disrupting event. He runs home to Ben Wishaw and he says, guess what I did? I had sex with a woman. And Ben Wishaw's like, uh-huh. fine, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. I'd prefer not to hear anything about it. And, but then Franz Rogowski is like, well, you know, I think I'm in love with her and I'm going to leave you and we're moving in together. <laughs> I won't spoil any of the other stuff that happens in the movie because this all happens fairly quickly. Yeah, this is the first 10 minutes. <laughs> um, this, oh, okay, so Iris Axe has never been uh, much for positive representation. <laughs> of anyone and his films are generally about queer people and their lives often yes quite often not always but 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 frequently yeah and that suits me fine because i think that from the moment of the new queer cinema until now the argument about what is good for the queer community and what is not good for the queer community right. is the single most boring argument that you can have. <laughs> I want queer characters of all kinds. Yes. As I've said many, 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 many times over the 13 years on this podcast, oh, how I love a treacherous gay. <laughs> I love a treacherous bi. Uh, the film The Cake Maker, I keep bringing it up. <laughs> What, perhaps the most pre treacherous buy you've ever seen in a film. I mean, look that that argument dates back to an era where we were barely barely represented on screen I at know. all. I understand. I'm just providing a little it. historical context. I know, I know you, you I know. know. I know. We. I. I assume the audience knows too. Anyway, here he has uh, taken a dive into even more deeply unresolvable situations with characters who are unlike in a Fassbender film. Mm -hmm. And if any, if there is, if there is any uh, uh, template for the Franz Rogowski character, that guy mm, is yeah, Fassbender. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rainer Fassbender, very famously bisexual and very famously ruinous. <laughs> A nightmare. A nightmare of a person who, who who made his lover's lives, let's just say, difficult. And you'd have to go into the his biography to learn just how difficult and just what sort of tragedies befell. Yes. In his wake. Everyone in his world. Okay. So here's a guy, a character, who, oh, I'm sorry, let me finish talking about Fassbender just a second. Would his work have been different? Would we think of him as this filmmaking genius 
had he been a better human being? Oh, I. What do we think about this? I don't want to go we down that road. We don't know what we think about that. I don't want to go but down that's that road. What this film dares to show you. I, true. I just think that there's so much of what's emerged lately. I know. Like we we have collectively forgiven so much despicable behavior in the name of genius. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's funny to me how Fassbender, to this day, because he's dead, he died yeah. a long time ago. No one's out to 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 tell you that his films shouldn't be seen because of just the way he conducted his life. And I I think that in a way, this movie is showing you a guy who kind of does his darndest to wreck everything he touches. And I think if Fassbender had made like charming rom coms <laughs> And then more and more people talk about, well, you know what he was really like? <laughs> but given the kind of movies that he makes about the kind of characters that, that they're about, right, right. it's sort of like, yeah, that scans. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, I see Franz Rogowski in this film and I see a Fassbender-like person. No, that's, yeah. And Fassbender in 2023 would be wearing those ensembles. Oh, for sure. In <laughs> fact, honestly, my favorite scene in this movie. He goes to meet Adelux Arcopoulos' parents. She is pregnant. Yeah. They're going to have a baby together. He's meeting them for the first He's time. He's meeting them for the first time at her house for dinner. And he shows up, number one, late. Number two, wearing a sheer see-through floral cut-off midriff belly shirt <laughs> sleeveless thing. And he kind of like swans in, swans in the door, <laughs> says hello to the father. And the father, who I don't know the actor who plays the father, but the father has a look at his face like, what's happening? <laughs> Welcome to my worst nightmare. I can't remember if like she had already explained to them like, oh yeah, he's bisexual and he's married to a man and they're getting a divorce and now it's going to be us together. We're yeah. having a baby. I That's the beginning of the dinner scene, and it just goes gets south from there. Wilder from there. <laughs> no. Yeah, as I as I as I joked earlier, it's too bad the title "The Worst Person in the World" was already taken. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna again. I just say I'm not gonna spoil it by letting you know how this all turns out. What if anything he learns about himself? But I will tell you that it's none of it is what you're hoping for. <laughs> Uh, and I, I don't know if this makes me like jaded, yeah. but I did not learn until well after we saw the movie yeah. that it got an NC-17 rating. And, well. I had to, and I had to be like, for what? <laughs> what do like, you mean for what? what? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I guess. But there is a sex scene in this movie between Franz Rogowski and Ben Wieshaw, Yeah, who... I, well, you should just see it <laughs> because it is, they, they take it all the way there. I, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I get, you know, although there has been a lot of discussion because between that NC-17 yes. and the R given to red, white, and royal blue, okay. the whole conversation about how the MPAA grades on Hates a curve people. Yeah. when it comes to queer people no, is 
has reared its head again. And it's totally true. If nothing else, go back and watch Big Eden. Yeah. And tell me why that movie is PG-13. Right. When it's as adorable it is and thematically sweet. similar to an episode of Gilmore Girls. Yes. It's yeah. adorable and innocuous. And I don't think there's a single swear in it. Yeah. So this is a very astringent, very French. I mean, it's set in France. American director. But it's, it's it, the, atmospherically it is French sure. as yes. well. It uh, smells like cigarettes. Not much extraneous detail. Um, yeah, it's pretty much, it is a very linear. And the performance was by Ben Wishaw and Adela Sarkopoulos. If you think that they exist in the film merely to be this man's victims. Oh yeah, no. That is not true. Uh, they deliver very, uh, uh, sturdy performances mm. in opposition to this tornado of a person. <laughs> uh, I will say this. If you only know... I dig it a lot. If you only know Ben Wishaw from like... Paddington 2. Paddington 2. Or Paddington the 1. Or the yeah. 007 movies or Mary Poppins Returns, uh, you should check out uh, on Prime... <laughs> I know what you're about to say. A, a very English scandal. Yeah, yeah. With him and uh, uh, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, Hugh Grant. Sorry. Tom Hanks, Hugh Grant. White guys, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> a very English scandal. Uh, Jim Belushi. <laughs> Who can keep them all? Jack straight? Lord, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, based on an actual very British scandal, and uh, it's that that will give you an idea of the the range that Mr. Wishaw is uh, capable of. And now we're done. We've talked about seven films. Uh, I talked about four. You talked about seven. You got off. I got off easy. And you know what they say? Yeah. When when you can't distinguish Tom Hanks and Hugh Grant, it's time to pack it in. So it's time for you to pack it in. We're packing it in. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, check out my other podcasts, won't you? Uh, you can hear me on Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network, uh, on uh, a Breakfast All Day with Christy Lemire, which we do as a YouTube show and as a podcast. And once a week on Deck the Hallmark, which you can listen to wherever you get podcasts. If you want to watch it and you are a Philo subscriber, uh, you can check it out on their channel there. Um, by all means, subscribe to this show uh, at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the air. We will also uh, appreciate any positive feedback that you want to keep it. Leave us in the many places that we stream, including uh, Spotify or uh, Amazon Music, Google Play, iHeartRadio, uh, CastBox, Podbean. There's a new one, and I've forgotten what it is. Anyway, there's a lot of them out there. Just, you know, Google us. You'll find it. Um, follow us at LinoleumCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. See what he's up to at blueBLEU.bandcamp.com. And, uh, yeah, this week... In the next couple of weeks, get ready. We're going to be sending out a lot of the usually Patreon-exclusive shows. To give you a little taste, maybe you'll want to subscribe. I couldn't say. In any event, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>